What's up, Energy Fam? This is Justin, and welcome back to another episode of Wicked Energy with JG. My goal with each episode is to deconstruct the minds of today's energy thought leaders to uncover their framework and tools used in their journeys of providing energy to the world. So sit back, relax, and remember that everything you see around you requires some form of energy. Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm here with the lovely Tiento, founder and CEO of Indizone, along with member board of directors of the Women in Oil and Gas Association. Tien, it's an absolute pleasure to finally get on Zoom with you. We're not in person, but uh, we're here on the podcast. And so thank you so much for joining today. Thank you so much, Justin. It's my pleasure. So Good. I'm, I'm Good. excited to be on, you know, your WIC Energy podcast. Yeah, um, no, it's... I, you know, again, I couldn't be more excited. I love every guest, you know, every new guest is just an opportunity to learn, to share stories, uh, to educate and hopefully entertain the audience. But the first question I have, and if you're listening on a podcast, you may not see it, but if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see there's a beautiful picture. I don't know if it's a picture or a painting beside Tien or behind Tien. Uh, would you go ahead and share what that is? Cause I, when, it, when you came on, I just was like that. It looks like such a peaceful a relaxing uh house with some palm trees i love i'm from canada so when i saw the a palm tree for the first time i almost died i was so excited what is it that your uh your background is oh thank you um that is a picture of my hometown i was born and raised in a small village um in central vietnam so this picture was took um was taken i believe in 2012 when me and my husband he was boyfriend at the time. We went back for a family trip visit and uh, we went out to the rice field. And this is the picture that he took. And of course, he applied some of the Photoshop, you know, um, yeah. on there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, to me, I, I put it on the background because it, it reminds me where I came from. Um, very peaceful. And yeah, I think it's very pleasant for whoever on Zoom meeting to you know, escape your mind a little bit, go into yeah. your, the place that where you comfortable, you, you know, or the dream place that you want to be. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but this episode is sponsored by 10X Technologies, pushing the boundaries of chemistry. 10X is innovating the future of the oil and gas industry with their proprietary materials-based technology solutions. With cutting edge products like NanoClear, custom designed nanofluids engineered to maximize the production of new completions and rejuvenate existing wells, 10X is driving a revolution in oil extraction. Meet Microhold, a specially engineered microparticle slurry that optimizes frac efficiency, props microfracs, and triggers far field diversion every well, every time sees the benefits. And if you're worried about frac hits, 10X has you covered with no hit. An innovative technology that mitigates frac hits via in-situ pressurization reaction. It's protection where you need it most. Then there's Sandbond, a sand consolidation chemical solution that's just another example of 10X's commitment to practical field-ready solutions. And let's not forget about Seroflow, a greener, cost-effective, proprietary blend of design materials to banish paraffin issues once and for all. That's 10X, where innovation meets application in the oil and gas industry. Find out more about their groundbreaking solutions at pumpmoreoil.com. And be on the lookout for five, yeah, you heard it, five new products launching soon. Now, let's get back to the show. Yeah, no, it's, again, it's a very soothing, relaxing, uh, just a tranquil picture of a, of a nice little home with, again, the palm trees set it off. For me, that's, it was like, 
ah, palm trees in this nice little country house. I love it. Uh, which I figured it wasn't here in the US, which maybe here in Texas, they might have it or Florida. But um, <laughs> I, I have to ask, I mean, I, I don't. So we have a gentleman who works for us. Uh, his name is Kwa. He's from Vietnam. And I've never really taken the time and I should to ask him what it was like growing up in Vietnam. And so I'd love if you could share what your experience was. Uh, yeah, again, as a child growing up in Vietnam and for a lot of the listeners here in the U.S., maybe never been to Vietnam, just kind of share a little bit about it. Well, thank you. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm glad to share. Um, so I was, my family, I came from a somewhat big family. My mom and dad have six children total, and I was the youngest. And we was basically, I am the youngest one in, in the family. Um, both mom and dad are farmers. So our childhood is involved in a lot of, how do you say, is uh, traditional games, um, take care of each other. Like my older sister will be like a second mom because my mm -hmm. mom and dad will be, you know, out on the field. And um, so childhood is very peaceful, pleasant. Um, yes, and it wasn't, here's the thing I, I think I would really would like to share. We did not have electricity until 1998. Wow. That was a that was when I was in middle school. Um, so yeah, at nighttime, because you know, you don't have electricity. What do you do? Lifestyle is very different. Um, for example, to know, you know, we don't have refrigerator. Um, so food will be cooked on a daily basis and you 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 have to eat and finish the food right away. It's so hot. So there's no wow. way to store it. Um, but at nighttime was my favorite time because there will be three, four generation with the neighbors coming, you know, the elderly, the, the mom and dad, um, and then the children were surrounding in the front porch. And we have mm -hmm. a little lamp light up. Um, and then the elderly would tell a lot of story. It could be a war story or it could be the story when they was young. Um, to me, like that is a, a very fond memory of the childhood that I would, I would say I never let go. Yeah. And the community aspect of it, um, everyone in the neighborhood knew each other whenever we have, you know, we have a ceremony, um, we would invite. And here's the thing, wedding and such, big. The wedding could be anywhere from seven to hundred guests if you combine a both like both sides of family together. So oh, that wow. is like the demonstration of how big of the community aspect. Yeah. Uh, of the life in in Vietnam. Wow, no, that that is so cool. And and like you said, some of the fondest memories are in the evening and people sharing stories and just sharing quality time together um, with people uh, that you know. I would assume that you, you love and care about. Uh, it's it's oftentimes like the most simplest uh, experiences create life's greatest joys. You know, and and to think back and like I'm sure when you look at that picture, you probably have memories of of being there and uh, I just think that's really neat and I think a lot of people lose touch on um, some of those sort of like simple aspects of life that you know really uh, bring a smile to a lot of people's places I or faces I, I I work with a gentleman who's from a very 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 small town Nebraska and he went back there this summer and he took a picture of his home and no joke it it it's like maybe is twice the size of my home office um out in the middle of nowhere, you know, he, he, he remembers bare, you know, just having the bare necessities, uh, 
in life. And, and, you know, again, he just, he's so thankful to, to come from that. And now he lives in Denver and he's doing very well. Uh, his kids will be fortunate to not grow up in an environment like that. And it wasn't bad, but it was just, they didn't have the, a lot of the luxuries that, uh, that, that, uh, that a lot of folks, you know, in our position have being that, you know, we've done well in our careers and we've just been extremely fortunate to, to have done that. Uh, but, but again, I think it's, it's just a great reminder, you know, there's no place like home. That's, that's where the heart is. I feel like most of the time. Yeah, definitely. And you, you touched it right on. That's remind me to my college day as well. I went to college in Vietnam. Um, ah. my first year I lived with seven other, other girls. We all in the same rooms. There were four bunk beds, just like on the oh, four wow. side <laughs> of the wall. Um, speaking, you know, the spacing, the inconvenient, right? Um, mm -hmm. But it's, you know, the reality not define who you are. Um, that's wow. you. Yeah. You really define yourself. And um, don't let that, you know, those circumstances dictate the, what's what, you know, what your focus, um, what you want to be. My dream was very simple um, because, you know, I did not have refrigerator. My dream is to have my own refrigerator. Wow. To have a cup of yogurt in there. That's my dream when I was in college. Wow. No, so, that's uh amazing. Yeah. Huh. But, and, and, then, and so yeah. what what is you said that was in college? I'm assuming, and I may be making an assumption here, uh, but I would imagine you do have a refrigerator that's filled with something uh other than yogurt as well. So what is the <laughs> what does the dream look like now that you've you've made a dream come true? So it's amazing when I look back what my dream was when I was in college. Yes, today I have a house, I have a family. I mean, the fridge is big, <laughs> um, <laughs> but a lot of stuff in it, including yogurt. Um, yeah. But yeah, so my next dream, Justin, is really how to um, make an impact of what I do with mm. the company I just founded um, named In The Zone Consultings. It's a big dream. And further down the road, I would like to bring that, you know, that the core is how to bring that affordable energy to developing countries such as Vietnam. Um, mm -hmm. I would paint you a picture and actually is on a couple of my posts of linking. In Vietnam, especially in the village, um, you know, women's, the, the lifestyle still really, um, they cannot afford energy like we do here just because the ratio between the income and the cost of energy right. i think the cost of electricity around 20 to 22 percent of the average income so that's wow. really high um so my mom is still you know cooking with with charcoal with wood instead of gas and yeah. even with the gas it's not a plumbing it's actually a portable um hmm. Yeah, portable gas tank, like, you know, what we have to to do barbecue here. And she's still very costly to use those. She prefers to use wood instead because the gas actually costs a lot of money. Um, and then summer, we have, you know, like centralized AC in the house. In Vietnam, we cannot afford that for the most part. So the majority, if you can afford the, the AC, it's going to have to be in, uh, you know, individual room. And usually it's just one or two room at the house will have that in your bedroom, for example. Yeah. My mom might get to today is about 110 degrees and I was in 98% of humidity. 
but they just use the fan instead of the the AC unit. We install one for them, but they're oh. not using it because at the end of the day, that's an electricity bill that you yeah. have. Wow. So yeah, it's it's a lot of thing in my mind. So what what I can do today? Um, how can I translate that to you know 10, 15 years from now that I can bring it to you know developing country? Yeah. Improve oh. that, that affordable energy. Yeah, no, that and, and honestly, I, I think you know, on my website and 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 even when I first started Wicked Energy, mm-hmm. I was trying to think, you know, what what's the purpose? And and you know, and and actually, I'm going to share a, a beautiful quote that you have uh, in the letter you sent me. It says, "Your purpose in life is to find purpose and give your whole heart and soul to it." And so, you know, again, I think part of my purpose as as a podcaster is being fortunate enough to be in a position to have the experience, but also be able to make connections with folks like yourself to have conversations about what it takes to power the world. Because, you know, and the way I see it is if we can have constructive conversations about what that takes um, and it being all forms of energy, if we can, because right now, if you look at, I don't know what the percentage right now, I think 60 to 70% of the planet has access to electricity. Um, maybe a little less, uh, but it, you know, with that being said is, is think of the talent pool that we're not pulling from to be able to solve the world's problems. And so to your point, it's like the, the, the North star shouldn't be, we need more oil and gas. No, we need more of this. We need more of that. And, and, you know, being, you know, combative with each other, it's like coming together to provide energy for the world to which then we can, you know, tackle a lot of the challenges that, you know, people that don't have access to light at night can work and help solve these problems. So I, I very much align, although we come from completely different backgrounds, I align with your vision and mission on that because it's so critical. I mean, I've you know, again, being here in Houston, you meet folks from all over the world who either come here for school, um, who work, and especially in oil and gas, you know, we work with people from all over the world. But to hear people like yourself come from challenging upbringings um and at the time you didn't know any different and and all you wanted was a fridge and some yogurt uh which is like the most humble uh approach to life i feel like uh but yeah again i just i'm so pleased to be able to have a platform to be able to share these conversations and so one thing i will ask and we're going to dive into zone and some more energy stuff but you know it's it's clear that you have uh such such an interesting approach and what I wanted to ask is in that quote, it says your purpose in life is to find purpose and to give your whole heart and soul to it. But, and, and, you know, perhaps you may disagree, but I think for many, including myself, we all struggle with the part where it just assumes that we know our purpose. But the reality is that many people go their entire life searching for it. How do you like to navigate that piece of it because that one I find it's it's a little difficult for some and a lot of people. Thank you so much for touching and asking that question. Um, tell you the truth, before an event happened in twenty twenty early twenty twenty two, I did not know my purpose in life. I mean, maybe at some degree, um, you know, I have <clears throat> certain struggles just like others. I have, you know, two kids. I have a very high, you know, demanding job. And you go through the day just, just like, okay, I'm going to do my best doing both words. But I always feel guilty that, you know, being 
cannot be a full fully as a mom to support you know my kid when when they need it i do my best and yeah. and so you know work is going gas we all know demandings and i was in in operations the time to time you know you feel like you really in a space where um it's like hair on fire all the times and it's not a good place to be it put you in you know a anxiety mode a lot yeah and then early 2022, um, yeah, we, we experienced a little, you know, a, a tragic event with our family. And that, and along the way, um, a book found me. I have to say a book found me because I would never go, you know, I wouldn't think I would go do find a, a uh, self-help book. And it called, um, Sorry, all I said in my mind, which is uh, being being blocked out. Um, no, that's okay. Yeah, leaving um, surrender. Ah, okay. Leaving from a play from a, a play of surrenders. So mm. this book was written by um, a, a yogi, but he also a CEO of company that he, he started himself. He called Michael A. Singer, and it's mm. eye opening to me. You know, we spend a lot of time to focus on things that we cannot control. We complain mm. about the weather, um, you know, anything that the landscaping, you know, a lot of um, merging acquisition, which you don't have a control over and you have anxiety about all the time. Think about, a, you know, million things that you cannot control. Yes, you are on this earth is beautiful. Just look at things surrounding you, you know, the tree, mm -hmm. the sky. Um, do you appreciate it enough? Do you appreciate that you was born in this beautiful earth, right? So it's it's eye opening for me. Like, what am I doing? And actually, why am I in this anxiety mode? I have one life to live, so I I, I need to live it really good. Um, mm -hmm. And then one thing after the next, that book encouraged me to find another one is recommended by my friend it called designing your life um written okay. by two professor at university of stanford and this is more you know more surrounding and focus on um kind of framework to figure out are you currently happy with your work um do you find a meaning and purpose in your work and you know, they gave really good framework. So I spent a good two months to go through the book to do the framework and I really just have a, you know, exercise to do it yourself. So I did that. You have okay. to do the mind mapping, which is super cool um, to really huh. figure out what, what's your passion? What's your strength? What makes you happy? Mm -hmm. and, and from there, yeah, I, that's, that's a, it gave me a lot of inspiration and, and peace, you know, with, of all things going on in 2022 is yeah. Yeah, my company merging with our companies and you know um they're gonna move they're gonna move to headquarters and a lot of uncertainty right so just imagine a lot of people in that space right now and it's insecurity it's uncertainty a lot of anxiety and you bring that home with you know with your partner with, with your kids it's unhappy place and I refuse to I, I refuse that stage. Wow! So, no, that's yeah. uh, that's that's uh, again a great a great answer and and such a healthy yet simple yet complex <laughs> way to to think about it. 
but again, I, I think a lot of it comes back to mindset. Uh, and and you clearly take, I would imagine, take time to to really work inward and and focus on a lot of those things. To you know, a lot of it comes down to gratitude and perspective and like you said not 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 worrying about things that really are out of our control which I mean there's so much but um I'm gonna pivot a little bit and, and switch gears here and, and uh, talk a little bit more uh we'll focus more on the energy side uh but I'm curious before we dive into into zone do you have any core beliefs around energy that you've changed your mind on over the recent years Definitely. That's a, that's a really head on, you know, right on, on questions. Um, I got into oil and gas in 2010 and, you know, for me, it, it was just a job, you know, a career. I love it. I love the few aspects. I love, you know, the people really straightforward. You know, I might attend a redneck too. Um, <laughs> it's just so cool. <laughs> and yeah. I got to travel around the world. I love every aspect of it. Right. Um, but huh. really didn't find the, I didn't know the deep core belief is energy is so important to improve yeah. quality of life. It's come down to it. And it is that so much sing into my mind in, in the recent years. Um, you know, with all the lot of noise out there. And for me, that is the core belief I focus and to give me a really strong, how do you say, passion on, on, on my path. That is, I want to make an impact. I I believe in what I do is important. Mm. The time and time, you know, you would you would do stress out and there's a lot of not good um, perspective about oil and gas industry, for example. And you want to quit, you want to get out of the industry, you want to go do something else. Um, Honestly, I worked once in that spot a few years ago, but once, you know, you, you find your core belief and I, I stick with the industry. And in fact, you know, I went on my own for the reasons. Yeah. So. Wow. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, uh, that makes sense. It's, it's, uh, you know, again, similar to you when I got out of high school, all I wanted to do is socialize and party and not worry about anything else. And, and, uh, again, when I was 18 years old, I didn't want to go back to school. So my cousin, uh, sort of influenced me into going, working on a drilling rig. And, uh, I thought, yeah, I can work hard. That's easy. I can make more money than my friends who were going to college. That's a plus. Uh, and I enjoyed it. And, and it wasn't until, you know, I, I would say after or during graduate school uh, and then coming out of that really kind of changed my core belief around energy. And again, I always knew how important like electricity was. But when you when you have it at your fingertips, you take it for granted a lot of times. You know, I was born in Canada. Um, the the house was always warm in the winter and the house was cool in the summer because it never really got that hot. And, you know, the lights came on and, you know, things charged and we drove around and yeah, we had, you know, uh, the, our basic needs met, but it wasn't until kind of broadening my network and, and diving into the data to that it really made me realize some of the things that I take for granted, uh, which makes me realize like, okay, now I have a responsibility to give back and make an impact, right? And so um, I'm, I'm really curious though, Tien, how, so how did you go from Vietnam to then uh, you know, essentially arriving to Denver, having a great career, and then starting your own company. I'm I'm very interested in in the journey on how that took place. Yeah, thank you. Um, so the journey it rooted back in my college day. Um, I went to college in the 
um, Ho Chi Minh City University of Technology is wrong name, but at the time that was the only technology university in Vietnam, and then they still are to today. Mm -hmm. um, in my third year of college, I received scholarship from a company called Slumberjay. Now it's SLB. Yeah. <laughs> <They were. laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um yeah, I also got elected to their internship program for you know two months summer. So that was 2007. And then when I graduated, um they you know they they offered me a job to be an actual wildlife engineer. Um and at the time, believe it or not, cultural aspect and everything else consider it wasn't a good fit for three or four female in Vietnam. So I declined the opportunity and I found a job in a domestic job. That's about three months later, after I started my job, I got a letter um, from Slumberjay say that, hey, we have an opportunity in US land. It's gonna be in well services. Um, and if you're interested, please get back to us. Like I would say within 12 hours, that's like overnight for me. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's the start of my journey from Vietnam to U.S. It took eight months to gain the visa, which is a long wow. process. Um, but yeah, um, so to October 2010, I came to the United States and started my career, oil, you know, oil and gas career with Slumberjay in Texas. Um, okay. Was in, yeah, and I was in a, uh, I was a frac field engineer, or completion stimulation, you name it. Um, started in Texas and basically in a travel crew all over Texas, Oklahoma, and Louisiana for my, my first two years with Slumberjay. After that, I, um, you know, they transferred me to Rock Spring for another two years. And uh, Rock Spring, Wyoming, I had an opportunity to experience all of the um, basin all over the Rockies, including wonderful Williston. So oh, yeah. my... Yeah, my uh, winter exposure at Williston was negative 55 degree wind chill. It was nighttime. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So my oh, nose boy. literally it dripped out and it just iced instantly. Uh, it what's, was what really quick. What does the coldest temperature uh, like? What's, how cold can it get in Vietnam where you're from? What's the coldest? Man, I would say the coldest 60, 65. That's in central. Yeah. It's not, it's not much cold than that. And okay. it usually, so, yeah, it's a big change. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so clearly, and, and, and I would imagine that was the coldest you've ever experienced was being up in North Dakota. That was probably up until that point was the coldest you'd ever witnessed? I don't, I don't know. I, I went to Siberia for training with, yeah, uh, mm. Siberia, Siberia, Russia for training with, with Slamajay. Uh, in 2011, and it was February, which is the core of the winter over there. All you oh. could see is no bang. And I didn't, it was, I think it was negative 20 degrees Celsius, which actually probably more, okay. yeah, um, yeah, trend, translate to Fahrenheit. But that probably will be the, um, the coldest temperature wise. But mm -hmm. you're talking about the working condition, the Williston, yep. the coldest one, because, you know, I, I was I was out on the frac size and taking oh. sample, fluid sample and whatnot. So, mm -hmm. hey, That's it's a... fun, man. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how you embraced it and, and you said you loved it. That's great. I 
that was part of the reason why I got out of the field. Uh, I'll never forget. We were in, I was on a rig in Pincher Creek, Alberta, uh, in the winter time. And if anyone's worked in Southern Alberta around that area, you know, it's always windy. And I, I never believed people when they told me that it rains and snows sideways and the trees grow, the trees grow at an angle. I was like, yeah, that's supposed to be a bunch of BS. Like it can't be real. And then our rig moved from uh, Rocky Mountain House down to Pincher Creek. And I, so all everyone's hard hat had to have a strap because it was so windy. And one night, same thing, we were rigging up uh, and it was minus 60 with a wind chill. Uh, and yeah, we ended up having to shut down the rig up operations because anything that was on a boom line or a winch would just start swinging around and like we couldn't yeah. set anything up it was snowing and and just it was insane and so um it's yeah it's cool like you know it's in the moment it sucks but you're looking back it's like wow okay I'm, i survived and i lived to tell about it and and it made me who i am today to, a little bit you know <laughs> i know right you know the day in the field really make you appreciate on what you do today um to you know as an engineering background, you only have a lot of fancy design and, and, and stuff, but mm -hmm. it has to work without folks in the field, make it simple for them, make it executable. Um, yeah. So to me, like I always appreciate that that four years um, of my career out in the field. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so uh, actually, yeah, I remember when that happened, when I was in that experience, I quickly realized why it was important to go back to school, because if not, I would have lived the rest of my life doing that stuff. And so I, I quickly then uh, signed up to go back to school. And, and here I am, I'm in Houston, uh, in an office, which is nice. Uh, but with that being said, so you're at Slumberjay, you're working, you're getting a ton of experience. Uh, you then moved on to the operator side at some point, right? Yeah, 2018, I moved to operator side uh, with a company called Whiting Petroleum. Really yeah. good exposure, you know, in completion department. Um, great people. And the experience is so, uh, I would say I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, so I learned a lot of, with, you know, that past four and a half, five years with on operator, operator side. And mm. uh, yeah, and um, you know, early last year, Whiting Petroleum's announced the merging with Oasis Petroleum to become Core Energy, and um, the headquarters is in in Houston. Um, to me, like I'm so excited for that for that merger, and you know, for the bright future of Core Energy. But moving was not in you know fit for our family. Uh, with that being said, they. I stay on to the end of last year to help out to finish the the whiting legacy whiting program. Okay. Um, and then I took, I think I took a a month off. Um, and really that's a really needed time to really quiet my mind and determine what I want to do next. And you know, um, it just that. When you are your mind clear, you you quiet and you know what's the purpose that you want to do with your career also your life. That is really when the idea of you know go on my own, establish my company, um, and the name in the zone, like all come on and together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, no, it's because it, it's a common saying, right? Like when you're in the zone uh it's like you can't be stopped and it's like nothing else matters you're focused and you're you're in this state of flow and uh again it's what you can accomplish is amazing so when you're in the zone it's i mean that's the best you can be right 
Yes, it's very clear. Like, is what you want to do, and you you can see the vision of your future, your your life. And to me, it's amazing when your mind is too noisy, too crowded, and with all the sort all the sorts of awareness, you cannot think clear. But yeah. when you be able to put all of you know the noise aside, and then you'll be able to know, like, find out what's your purpose and what you want to do. Wow. No, that's amazing. And so tell us about in the zone. It's uh, you know, you run a great little company and and uh I'd be, you know, I'm I'm excited to hear a little bit more and kind of like what kind of services you do. Uh again, look at your website. You've been a part of some really fascinating projects. Uh and so I'd love for you to share like where where does the value lie in, in the zone and, and what do you what do you offer for the marketplace? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. So um in the zone established or you know, founders based on the inspirational of um very successful couple uh very successful project that i did in in uh in in the back in, in the williston basins um so it focused on the completion and engineering design portion of it um you yeah. know in in the williston basins being known with a lot of you know high growth and you frack out of zone and when when you you know you're uh, stimulation going to the zone that like unwanted you can get um unproductive product from it such as you know dangerous gas like hydrogen sulfide or excessive amount of water um so i <clears throat> basically i implemented a technology that i call fracture geometry control with you know optimized completion design um and mm -hmm. Of all 11 wells that I apply this technique on, is basically produce zero to negligible amount of the dangerous gas in a very wow. high risk area. Um, and that gave me such a big inspiration to, you know, I need to share this, this learning curve, this knowledge with, with auto operators in the basins. So that's yeah. the core why in the zone is founded. And the name, if you think on the side of you know the spiritual meaning of it, the really for the technical, really in the zone, which means you put your your resource into productive zone. You want it to be productive zone um, so that you can get the most production performance out from it. Um right. that's that going to the name. Um so yeah, principally in the zone providing a very comprehensive completion engineering services um, with okay. special, you know, very focused on uh, um, special completion design to with fracture geometry control um, and also in the space optimization as well. That's my uh, passion. Yeah. Okay. Um, I always, my view is there's always opportunity uh, for improvement. Right. Right. Yeah. So being because you, you so you obviously have an extensive background in completions engineering. I'm I'm curious, has completions so I'm on the drilling space. I've always been in drilling. Um and and you know, we've we drilling has evolved so subsurface, I think directional drilling has evolved probably more than anything. And to your point, like getting into zone, uh it's you know, they're well planning and well designed and their ability to steer to the exact spot to essentially lay a good well uh to where completions can come in and then ultimately, you know, get 
the most productivity out of that well as possible. I'm curious from a well or completions design perspective, is it is it evolving rapidly or where or is all the low-hanging fruit already taken care of? And now it's just like marginal increases in productivity and efficiency. Like, can you kind of give an idea on where we're at in terms of completions design and, and where the future might be? Yeah, um, obviously. So with the completion design, is is um it has been an evolution in the past 10 years. And here's a little perspective to put in the picture. 2010, um, we started it in this like more in Williston basins. 2010 started with 1 million pound prop and about 44,000 pound of uh, barrel of, of the fluid, wrestling fluid. And you pump such a low rate, 30, 40 barrel per minute. But now today, uh, think about it, is range anywhere from 10 to 15 million power prop. And you mm. pump about 250,000 barrel of the fluid with a pump rate 90 to 100 barrel of the, um, you know, <clears throat> of the pumping rate. So it's everything 10 full plus. Right. Wow. Which means the intensity of the, um, um, of, you know, of the completion has increased like significantly. Mm. So it's, it has been such an evolution. So now today, I think um, operators more in, in the space of improved efficiency um, and, you know, I would say more of a little bit more of the, I don't like to use this term, but it's called factory mode, where, you know, you, you, you find cheaper products and local sand, for example, um, to put more of the, the products, um, higher intensity with a more affordable cost. Um, mm, okay. Yes. But we gotcha. still, I think we still constantly um, evolving. And here, here's my perspective as a lot of major uh, basin in the US enter into the mature phase. Yeah. Um, you call it, you know, infield development, if you will. Um, and with the much higher intensity of the hydraulic fracturing, um, it creates challenges such as, you know, high growth for one that we've seen in Delaware Basin or Williston Basin. And the second, you hear a lot these days, the called parent-child well interaction, the parent-child well effect. Um, yeah. Some of them, I'd say a lot of them is unwanted because it could significantly impact the well bore of the parent well. You know, when, yeah. when you experience a really um, strong interaction or interference, it could cause well bore collapse. And, um, and that's very costly. And the second one, um, yeah, I don't know how much you, you folk, like in the recent year, a lot of paper that public out the plate like Montney formation or Woodford formation in, in Oklahoma, where you frag a gel well, it impacted with the parent well, where the parent well would lost up to 80% of productions. Um, so the damage is, is really huge. So those are the, the challenge um, currently. So as industry as a whole, I went to Urtech, um 
in in Denver last month. Uh, I think yeah. and you were there as well. Uh, yeah, did. <laughs> we didn't meet. I know um, we may have walked by each other, but didn't recognize it. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you know, from all the people that I noticed that as industry, we're still in the early stage of understanding the 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 impact, the interference. We're not uh, yet okay. in the phase of you know what are you know the solutions like if effective solution for for the challenges. So that's where that does play I mean right now within the zone to offer that knowledge sharing, how to basically um effectively control your fractures. Right. To mitigate, yeah, mitigate the impact of um parent child well interaction or to mitigate that that high growth. Right. So so it sounds like there's still plenty of opportunity and a lot of a lot to learn about again just like fractures and how they act in different rock which i would imagine is so hard because i mean you can only collect so many samples and so much data which i guess over time you can use things like you know ai and machine learning to help gather up a ton and ton of data and hopefully to you know make conclusions to help make better decisions after that but it's I mean, what do you what do you find the biggest challenges right now for you, or what what questions are unanswered that you're really striving to 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 seek out? Wow, that's a really tough question. Um, in the completion words, usually it's not a non-unique answer because there's mm -hmm. so many things involved into the completions, and you know. Um, each of the companies will have their own belief. Each engineer will have their own, you know, the hypothesis of how things work. Um, so for me, when I interact with operators, um, different operators, here's what I found out, like how to, you know, the op internally with a with operator group, how to have that um, interaction between departments to figure, identify the problems. Mm -hmm. You know, like we, I've seen this connection between, you know, the drilling department to the completion department to the production departments. Yeah. <laughs> you, you you smile because it's like the further down you, you down the chains, you inherit of some things. And a lot of, <laughs> you know, uh, sometime point finger, I see things has changed in the past few years where with the resizing and, you know, cross-function training, uh, rotating personnel around, um, that that specific challenge has been, I would say, somewhat addressed, but still have room to go. Um, and second of all, how to, you know, for, for me in particular, how to break that, um, how to translate my belief of the, mm. you know, innovation and technology to, you know, to operators who have a challenge. And then that's the, the bridge that I am um, working on to overcome. Yeah, no, that makes yeah. sense. What in the completion space, do you find now that, so I'll back up a little bit over the last call it five years or so, we've seen a shift in personnel with respect to experienced folks leaving the industry, uh, unfortunately, in some cases, forced to leave. And you have the, a lot of the younger recent grads coming in and are being put into positions of authority 
that don't necessarily have the experience, although arguably it presents opportunity because they are malleable and you can sort of, uh, they're, they're very much more open to unique approaches to different challenges. Although again, the wisdom and experience part sometimes may be lacking and no fault of their own, just the nature of the business right now. But do, do you see that presenting opportunity or do you feel that a lot of the experience that's slowly leaving the industry is actually going to slow us down for, for future, for future uh, growth? Great question, Justin. Um, I see that as well. And that definitely is a gap in experience between the old and, and the new. And it creates a challenge in education for, you know, between the generations. How do we address that? Um, I think there's a little bit over my head to answer this question, but I can give you my perspective, right? I'm in the space of, I'm in the middle of the young, the old and the young generations. I am okay. so proud that I have that few experience and, you know, had all the cool job that I experienced with nitrogen, with, with CO2, with, you know, cross-linked fluid. Um, so that's a part of my commitment to educate, to share the knowledge as well through in the zone. Um, yeah. So if and when I, I face a situation where, you know, the, the help is needed to with these kind of the job or job design, that's what I can hope. And again, my principle is focus on what I can control. I cannot mm -hmm. control other people's perspective. Let's say the young generation that more believe in IA, um, then you know I can give them my opinion, and that's up to them to to make decision, you know, on their own. So of again, course. yeah. Um, to do your best to think what could make an impact and focus on what you can control. Um, the gap with the industry, I'm seeing, you know, quite a bit of, of techno, you know, techno, uh, technical forum out there that mm -hmm. bring people from, you know, uh, different, different generation, different operators. So more of that sharing is going on currently compared to the past. And I think that's a great way to mm -hmm. do a knowledge sharing between a different generation and also like among operators. And I love to see that. I mean, I joined to those um, technical forums whenever I have a chance. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you know, your podcast like this as well. You see like a ton of podcasting, you start, you know, coming up with the energy. It's, it's great to, a great way to, you know, educate and bring people together. That That is the part of networking um, wonderfully, right? That's how yeah. you, you know people and you talk and then you, you share the knowledge, you share experience. Yes. Yeah. The the knowledge shared and the education piece, I think is critical. And, and now, fortunately, with, you know, technology like, you know, Zoom and all these virtual uh, platforms that you can meet, obviously allow you to connect to the world at a, at a much easier on a much easier level. Um, but then too, is like LinkedIn, there's, I I've seen, you know, over the last, you know, again, just over time, a lot of people sharing some, some knowledge and even some of the stuff that people would typically charge in the past for uh, they're putting it out there and they're kind of sharing data to, to help people 
again, make better decisions, take that information, um, plug it into their systems to, to hopefully uh, solve some of their problems. But I just think the, the willingness to share and help, especially in oil and gas, because again, for a long time, and, and even now, it, and this comes with any industry, but you face headwinds in support, uh, whether it's financially or politically, or, you know, again, just uh, the, the, the human capital piece, like, you know, it's hard to find people. Uh, so the more that we can connect through, whether it's LinkedIn, podcasting, uh, conferences, again, just it, it takes everyone to to talk and share knowledge and, and not hold it so close to our chest, where if someone does something good, uh, you know, there's certain operators out there who like to not share too much, but then there's others who are willing to share. And I think it's going to be important for us to continue to just connect the dots amongst companies, amongst disciplines, uh, again, to, to, to get to the point where we can provide affordable, abundant and reliable energy, not just to us in the U S because I think we've gone there, uh, but to, to the rest of the world, which, uh, again, I, you know, we're, I feel like the U S is, is blazing our own trail in, in some ways. Um, uh, but again, we have lots, uh, we have, we have a long way to go. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's folks like yourself and into zone that are helping achieve those goals. And so, we're getting close to the, to the end of the hour here, but I do want to close out. I'm fascinating to, to learn about your daily routines, perhaps any thing that you do on a daily basis that help contribute to your success to help keep you, uh, your mind in the zone. Um, you know, no pun intended there, but I, I think it's important to, yeah, kind of share that if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Why not? Um, <laughs> my daily routine, I started it, um, I would say seeing February last year. So I first thing I got up is I would do um I would do med meditations and then following with yoga. Mm -hmm. Uh and by the end of the section, what I do is I saying out loud in my mind the three things I'm really grateful for. Okay. And then following with three things that I is really important for me to finish today. The three okay. things. And yeah, um, and then I go on the days, right, to feed the children and get ready for them to go to school. And I mean, I'm so glad I'm able to do it now. Um, <laughs> actually, I was not able to do it before with, you know, leaving the house at 6 a.m. and whatnot. And we're not yeah. able to see them when they, they woke up. Um, so that's, um, and after that, I go on my day with, you know, doing my business and um, really it, the the focus factors and that three most important thing that I, I need to accomplish today. That's what guide me through. It's like in your checklist when you accomplish that three things and everything else bread and butter on top. Um, and it should make you feel much better at the end of the day. You accomplish thing that you set out you're going to do. Um, yeah. yeah. And then I finish the day with a short meditation as well it's like I'm grateful for my day for whatever that I went through I met with new people um, you know I was able to um, <clears throat> share some technical knowledge you know to make some some impact of that day or just a simple uh, today I was able to take my children to the park yeah just, hey, yeah that's just great. Brief something is in my your mind um and do this to say yeah. the purpose of my days is letting go. Right. Remember, no, you came no. through that day that 
not in the way that you expected, just let it go because it's already done. It's already in the past. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I, and I do like five, 10 minute meditation and that just set me right to bed. <laughs> wow. No, it's uh, letting go is tough, uh, especially with you know, our phones and we're, we literally can be connected 24 seven. Uh, but I'm curious on, on the meditation piece. It was something that, again, I think it's a very loosely defined term, right? I think a lot of people have their thoughts on what meditation is or what it shouldn't be. Um, again, how, how would you describe like what meditation is and, and what kind of, what, what form of, cause there's different forms, right? And so I'm curious what kind of meditation you do. Um, yeah, you, 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 you are right. That's a different form of meditations for me. Because I am really a, a cell doer, so I don't I don't listen to. There's a um, couple of channel out there that you can just you sub subscribe and you know you listen to it. The key thing of meditation is to quiet your mind. You'll mm. be amazing how much your mind talking to you constantly, every second, every minute. It's just constantly talking to you. So if you're right. able to just set up your mind for like a minute, and that's amazing. And then you expand that out. You know, I, I started with five minutes and then 10 minutes. My way of meditation is I, I sit down and then I do deep readings um, and I count in my mind. Um, recently, I connected with, you know, the picture of the universe um, or oh, just find cool. an image if you are really, you know, religions, picture a picture of God with his glory out and then sign, you know, shine the line to um, and you start inhale that light, you know, like oh. you do deep breathing, inhale and exhale. So use your mind to envision things like this. A light will go through, you know, inhale through your nose and go through your heart, your lung, clear out everything that unhealthy, go down to your tummy. Um and then just held it for five seconds, if you can. And after that, okay. you exhale the light out, your imagination light. Yeah. You exhale that out, like go through your one vertical, your vertebrae, right? And go through your necks and it's, it basically end up in your, your brain. And mm. you will see your brain is so bright, so healthy. Just repeat that process for 10 times or 20 times, depending on you know your, your, your timeline. It's yeah. really helped me. Um, it's really helped me to kind of focus on my breathings, um, deep, just deep breathings. Yes. And it takes times. It takes times. And I tell you what, that is the meditation. Just the that is the 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 way to start. The very hard part is through constantly throughout your day how you letting go. Yeah. Someone, yeah, someone, you know, piss you off or, you know, you, your children misbehave. What do you do? Right? You react instantly for the most part. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how I learn to not react right away. It just gave me just one, just breathe for one second. And then, yeah, it, yeah, it gives you, you know, okay, here's a situation, accepted it first, and, and then you'll be better have a um better you know solution and how to react with it it sounds so simple but man it's really hard just and and to me i think it's a lifelong journey and i chose at the beginning stage but i yeah. didn't know so much change like within my personality i don't worry so much anymore like i don't have that such a great amount of anxiety and 
I'm just like, I'm happy. Yeah. No, that uh, that is so cool. The power of breath is is so uh, unknown and and underrated. Uh, I so I like years ago I bought a infrared sauna and I put it upstairs in one of our spare bedrooms and that's where I do my meditation. I'll do it in the evenings most of the time, uh, and it's actually like to your point. It really you have to work hard at close like whether it's closing your eyes and, and breathing but just not doing something and just being calm and taking you know at first it it was a very it was difficult for me to do it for a minute like I was so antsy to like pick up my phone or to do something and to really once you can get to a point where you can just like you said let go it's just it's extremely refreshing and then whether you do it with your eyes open or closed I do it typically with my eyes closed uh once you kind of open them up it's kind of like it's such a, it's like you're recharged. Uh, it's, it's a very interesting practice, uh, which one that I admire. And like you hear some folks in different parts of the world, they do it for days. Like it just, it blows my mind that you could do that. I, uh, but I respect it. And it's like, I don't know if I could go two days of just breath work, but I can certainly push myself to get, you know, the, uh, once I've, it's interesting. I've, I've gotten to a point where I was able to get close to like a half an hour and you almost go through this like trance type, like dreamy state when, and, and, and it's, and I've, I've had it happen a couple of times, but when they, when it happened, it, I got so excited. Like I, I, it, like I naturally pulled out of it and now, and now I like try to get back there, but it's so hard. Cause the more you want to get back there, the less it's likely to get there. Uh, wow. but it was like, yeah, it was very fascinating to me, uh, that I could, you know, your, our brains can, can do that. It was like, so anyway, not to, everyone's kind of like, what in the world are we talking about? But, uh, <laughs> I, the point is take a minute to breathe folks. Okay. Just like the rig's <laughs> not burning down breathe. Okay. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You know, every single situation you, you face today, regardless, like how, you know, how bad it is you take them just a minute to do deep breathings and then and then you will find a much better place and so solutions just yeah. trust yourself and trust Justin and I on that <laughs> yes we, we can be trusted I promise you uh yeah. well Tian this has been such an amazing conversation if people are interested uh in in the zone and they feel like they may be uh the right person to reach out to to uh to perhaps do business to you or even just to reach out what's the best way and i can put the link in the show notes but how do you suggest people reach out to you with an email or linkedin or website what's the best i think um all of the above i'm uh, okay. active i'm very active on linkedin um they can reach Good. out to you, my email directly um or my cell phone you know um i don't yeah i don't have cell phone 24 7 but during the core business hour Trust me, I will get back to you when you reach no, out. <laughs> that's that that is great. Well, what I'll do is I'll put all the links in the show notes. Again, thank you so much. And a big thank you. I should have done this at the very beginning. Kathleen Mann is the one who connected us. Uh, she's a rock star. Uh, we've never met in person. We've tried about 800 times. We're both busy, but uh, she's the one who made the connection. So Kat, if you're listening, uh, thank you so much for the introduction. I'm going to send a message to to both of you after this, just uh, sharing my uh, my appreciation for this. And uh, again, thank you for your time, Tian. Um, and for the listeners out there, please review, subscribe, share this with someone who you feel needs to breathe or solve their completions problems. 
TN's there for you. And with that said, everyone always remember that everyone deserves access to energy and we is greater than me. Thanks everybody. Have you ever thought about what a podcast could do for your B2B business? Well, you might be surprised by the benefits it could offer. Firstly, podcasts provide an amazing opportunity to establish your brand as an industry thought leader. By sharing your insights, experiences, and expert opinions, you position yourself as an authority, gaining the trust and the respect of your audience. Secondly, hosting a podcast is a fantastic way to engage your customers on a deeper level. It's not just about promoting your products and services, it's about providing value through engaging content, fostering strong relationships, and loyalty among your listeners. Oh, and did I mention networking? Yes, that's a huge part. Podcasts are an incredible networking tool. When you interview guests from your industry, you're not only creating valuable content, but you're also building relationships that can lead to future partnerships and collaborations. But we know starting a podcast can feel daunting. I've had several people reach out to me lately asking how to create a podcast, and that's where I'm going to try and come in and help. I'm here to help you navigate the podcast world. Reach out to me for a 15-minute call where we can discuss your podcasting ambitions. Whether you're starting from scratch or simply looking to improve your existing show, I'm here to help. And guess what? I have a playbook too, a step-by-step -step guide to launching a successful podcast, and I can't wait to share it with you. This playbook has everything from topic brainstorming to technical setup to effective promotion strategies, all the essentials for a thriving podcast. So why wait? Get in touch today and let's embark on this podcasting journey together. After all, your voice deserves to be heard. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Wicked Energy with JG. And look, if you or your organization wants to start a podcast, please visit my website and sign up for a free guide on how to start a successful podcast. Once you get through it, let me know if you have any questions or getting started. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Peace.